Hello, hello. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Get ready to learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello. Megan Powers here with Powers of Marketing. You can find me on Twitter at Megan Powers, and this is Making a Marketer. Hello, this is Jen Cole, co-founder of Depict Media and community manager for Social Media Examiner. You can find me at at Jen Cole ICT, and this is Making a Marketer. I'm Elizabeth Blau, the customer success manager at Sciencio, maker of EventBots, and welcome to Making a Marketer. All right, awesome. So it's been a minute. We are super happy to be back here with episode 28, and our favorite Brit, Ben Roberts is on the show today. Careful with that, Megan. We've had a lot of Brits on the show. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. No, no, no. Don't, don't interrupt. Me. Carry on. Go. Keep going. I'm loving this. I don't think we have. I don't think we have. I can think it's it's safe to say. We'll have to look that up and apologize. Like when you have an only child that they're your that they're your favorite. So um, I'll give you a little heads up about Ben, and then we'll we'll get into it. So he is head of marketing at a tech startup called Talkative. He's a keynote speaker at conferences around the UK. He's worked in and consulted with businesses from a range of industries. He is about to put out his first business book. I like that. Not just a book, but his first business book, meaning there will be more, called The Marketing Buzzword Book. He's a huge advocate of human marketing, customer centricity, and the power of online reviews to build a genuine rapport with past, present, and future customers who are the lifeblood of any business. Here, here. All right. So before we start chatting with Ben, I just want to mention our sponsor of the show today is Powers of Marketing, providing strategic marketing services to small and to medium-sized businesses. All right. So welcome, Ben. Thanks for joining us all the way across the from across the pond. Oh, thank you. I was I was concerned then when you started reading out that bio that I, I was almost on the wrong podcast, like you got someone else, because it actually sounds really weird when people say it every every single time. Like, are we sure we start talking about me? And he said favorite Brits as well. I was, I was starting <laughs> to get really concerned for a while. But no, seriously, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. So I met Ben at Social Media Marketing World last year. Did I hear a rumor that you won't be with us this year? I don't think so. I am working on it so if I do it's going to be like a last minute I might not even tell anyone I might just turn up but I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure certain people might find out if I did but it is looking yeah really unlikely annoyingly because just so much going on at the moment and it's this is the it's just the expense but I mean it's it's absolutely incredible every time I've been it it's like the you know you know that you get loads of those rewards after it's just trying to make sure that I've got enough money to make sure I can actually make it happen first place well, I have an idea. I'd bring a suitcase full of books. What? Bad boys. <laughs> All right. So get into the first question. You work for a company called Talkative, as I mentioned, but you also have your own side hustle. So, and that's basically the theme of the show today is a little hard to pin down because it's basically we're going to talk about the difference between working for a company or having your own side business and building your personal brand and then with people like you when you're doing on both all simultaneously, there's a lot of moving pieces. So um, how difficult is it for you to keep up on your own business outside of your regular work hours? 
Yeah, and it's it's an amazing thing. I'd be lying if I told anyone it was easy. And I mean, people say yes, it's it's difficult. But actually, until you experience it, it is difficult. But it's probably one of the most rewarding things you can do, apart from maybe bringing up your own kids. As far as I'm concerned, because what it allows you to do is it allows you to have something steady. But even if you, I love my my day job. I wouldn't change my day job. But it allows me to actually have a break from my day job but still do something else that I love. I don't have to have that time where I feel like I switch off. I'm everything I'm doing in my personal brand, my side hustle is all linked back to the company. Everything I do has a link back to the company because my ultimately my goals, my values and what I believe in, I work for a company that believes in those same values. So that makes it so much easier to have a personal brand within a company, whether it's you're doing your own thing as part of the company, but not quite, whether it's a side hustle that you work in a company. When people see you online, they'll know, oh, you do that. You do making a marketing podcast, but you also have the powers of marketing. Say Jay Bear, for an example. They know he runs Convince and Convert, but he also has Social Pros podcast. People relate, even if they're not exactly the same thing, People will know you for these different things. So actually having a value alignment means actually it's, it's much easier to be able to do these things and justify this side hustle than if you had two completely opposing ends because that isn't sustainable over any period of time. Right. That's a great point. What you're, what you're learning on your, on your side hustle um, is probably feeding into your day job and vice versa. So yeah, it helps that it's the same, same kind of job, same industry. <laughs> brand, right? That they're related. Like you said, if it was two completely different things, your brand would look funky, right? It would be like, what do they do? They do that? This other thing that's totally different? Exactly. Because then people start losing, they don't know what you stand for. They don't know what your values are. They don't know how to really react when they see you for the first time. It's like, because your personal brand, even your business brand is judged by, look, how you act, how you walk, how you talk, how you smell, all these little things play into your personal brand. And the similar sort of things with your person with a business brand. If you had people pulling in different directions, what is the brand? If it's got two diff- distinct colors and they just blend against each other, it then becomes a mash of stuff and no one knows what they stand for. No one knows what the, the value is or what the outcomes are supposed to be, what they're supposed to see, think, or feel when they have these interactions, these touch points. Because as brands become, again, we say becoming more digital, brands are digital these days and their employees are on social is you need to try and make sure that there's as much alignment as possible so people are able to see. If they come to the brand through a com- an individual or they come to a brand and then discover the individuals after, they need to become almost synonymous with each other so it's actually as seamless as possible. Again, if you had a side hustle, you want to be known for something, but actually you are still going to be, people still find out that you work for this company. So if you were saying one thing on your side hustle or believing in or spouting one truth on your side hustle and then you went and then people looked at what you did for your company it was completely different how can you justify that how can people trust that you are as good as what you say how can they believe you when you're saying two different things or your perception at least is of two different angles so how how they smell ben do you smell like honey well, a little bit. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about bees at the moment. So, uh, no. Buzzwords. I just had to. The logo, his logo, his logo is a, a bee in the buzzwords and stuff. So that's I, I liked it. I really appreciate it. I thought, I thought I got it really quickly. Normally, I'm a quite slow at this sort of stuff. I was like, oh, we're, we're on the same wavelength here. <laughs> awesome. So, um, you know, Ben, you recently, like, I've always thought of you as a great example of 
somebody that utilizes personal branding very well. But in the last few weeks, even the last few months, you've really taken a deep dive into really developing your personal brand by making these LinkedIn videos, a whole series, and they're absolutely inspiring. So what sparked that idea? Uh, This is something that I started thinking about as I wanted to develop sort of what I had started with the the podcast. And I was thinking about people were asking and I started looking at diving into all these buzzwords and people were like, oh, you're becoming the buzzword guy. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. I'm starting to build a reputation or people are starting to recognize. I was like, okay. So now I could say quite confidently that my personal brand is building. So people are starting to recognize me for whether it's where I wanted to or not, people are starting to recognize me. So I can understand that my personal brand is becoming a thing. So it's like, okay, but it, I see it as quite a young thing. I see it as quite a, a new thing and trying to work out how it's all working. And that's where the, th- the series came in. It's almost like a documentary. So I can document how I'm thinking and feeling about building a personal brand. Struggles are coming along the way, thoughts and ideas, things that people have said to me and I go, is this relevant? Is this not relevant? So I'm able to now look back over these 18 videos I've done so far and actually see, oh, actually, has my view changed over this time? Have I put this out there and someone's actually been able to come back and say, oh, actually, have you thought about it from this angle? And now I've got a bit of a history of going, oh, you're 18 episodes in. I've learned actually a fair bit. I've clarified for myself that this is what I think. And some bits have gone, okay, actually, I need that wasn't quite what I hoped. And actually other people have gone, oh, actually, yes, that is actually, that's helped cement my view in that. And I guess LinkedIn is a great avenue for it because people are all over personal branding. I just didn't want to do it as a salesy message. For me, it's about me documenting a personal branding journey. That's what I call it, a personal branding story. And it's trying to like a narrative going through of learning and building a personal brand. And hopefully people are interested and they can pick and choose different bits along the way. But it was just a way of me trying to be honest with myself about how I was feeling at that time. And obviously social media is great for letting other people know if they want to or not. Yeah, I, I love that you say that. And the journey, what we always say at Depict Media is we, we tell the people that we go speak to and the blog posts that we write and the Facebook lives that we do is it's, you, you need to be creating an experience for people, whether it's for your brand, for your company, or for your personal brand. You need to bring them into an experience with you. And that's what's going to keep them in touch. That's what you're going to learn from them. They're going to learn from you. And that's going to create true community. And so I love that you refer to it as a journey. That's, that's yeah. really awesome. Absolutely. And for me, it works great because I love asking questions. That's how my brain works. I've got quite a strategic mind. I like to ask these questions to work out what things really mean, hence what the podcast is. And this is another avenue of being able to explore questions and avenues of personal branding and marketing that can really either help someone else, but really help me strategize. So actually, as I build my personal brand, I go, I've done that before. I've got a document of me doing that before. And actually, maybe I need to change my thoughts. Maybe something's changed over time. But now, if I didn't have it documented down, you can't remember everything. And now I've actually got a record of me actually doing something. And I can look back at myself, really? You thought about that? And now I can actually see this change over time and ask these thought-provoking questions, not just of other people, but of myself as well. So I can actually get all my ideas down without I don't mind who who has who hears or doesn't hear it's about actually is it valuable and hopefully other people are finding it valuable so that's that's the dream anyway absolutely and I'm sure you've used all of the channels that you've been creating content on to contribute to the new book that's coming out very soon so I'm curious what's been the most surprising thing about publishing the book or maybe marketing the book 
So the big part of marketing hasn't come yet. So there's a lot to come on that. I think if I don't market a book well, it's hard to be able to call myself a good marketer. If you if you bring out a marketing book and you can't market your own, I'd be a little bit worried for myself if I can't market. But there's, yeah, there's loads of stuff to come in the marketing. So there's podcasts, there's some PR stuff. There's some, I've got a couple of books and a couple of conferences. There's sort of interviews and all sorts of things. So I'm really excited. So this is like that 80-20 rule. I'm like, damn, this book has been really hard on the 20. And I go, shoot, I've still got 80 to go. (laughs) That was a real surprise when I actually thought about it that self going, I haven't even reached the 20 yet because the book isn't even actually like out yet. So that was a surprise. The other thing that surprised me is I know that I'm not always brilliant at going through the micro detail of stuff. So going through things line by line and really cross-examining myself on written word. Now, that's been a big challenge for me and something that I've actually thought I've learned a lot and I've improved on. I'm still not as good as I'd like to be, but that's been a real surprise, actually, how much time you have to spend, especially with something. This is going to be like a real hub of what it is to be me going forward. I can put out a tweet and actually if it's spelling error in it, it doesn't matter. It's actually filters down the the line. This is a tangible thing that is going to have my name on it, that is going to be out there for the whole world to see at any time and that people will judge you by. People may or may not judge you by a tweet, but it's gone so quickly that actually the judgment goes with it. Some people do, but yeah. (laughs) Right, the shelf life is definitely shorter. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and Ben, if it makes you feel better, like seriously, I... I have like a list of typos in J-Bears. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, it's a sickness. Like I, yeah. that's my thing is editing and, and I can't not see things. But it's also easy when it's the first time you're looking at something. Like you wrote yeah. it. So you know what you thought you wrote. And then yeah. your editors maybe have seen it a few times too. So anyway, if you want someone to take a look at it before you go to print. Did you go to print yet? No, not yet. No, it's very, it's very close. It's to be yeah, cake, yeah, through 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 Amazon Direct Publishing. So it'd be going print quite quickly. But yes, I think I'm going to have to take you up on that. I'm, I think I'm pointing down the camera. There we are. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, that, that was a big surprise because I, I have the opposite sickness to you. I can't look at something. And you know where they do the uh, words and they put the the first letter and the end letter and then they mix up all the letters in between. I can, I'll just still read the normal words. I just can't see some of the spelling errors that come through that. So I have the opposite sickness. So that's it. It's been really, really time intensive for me to start going through. And now I've got people to start now reading it and feeding back. But if I didn't do that myself, I'd feel like I wasn't putting, it wasn't necessarily going to be my book because actually ultimately it's my responsibility. As much as you pay someone, as much as you get experts to do it, it's my thing. And if I didn't put that time, that meticulous effort in myself, then actually I wouldn't feel like I'd be worthy of saying this is entirely my book when I've paid someone else to do everything, if that makes sense. Right. No, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about talkative. So human-powered customer service. It sounds like it's kind of the opposite of the way things are headed with chatbots and things being Mm -hmm. quite automated these days. So I want you to tell us a little bit about talkative and how your customers use it to improve their their customer service. Tell us what talkative is. And then, you know, is this help? Are you helping your customers improve their sales the way that you're helping them? Or how does it, how does it work? I absolutely love this question. And actually, 
it's mainly marketers that ask this question because marketers are obsessed by chatbots. They absolutely love them because they have so many benefits. They're quite quick in relatively quick in terms to set up. They have a very defined function and they can get answers really quickly and help basically give answers really quickly within a certain defined field. Absolutely brilliant. Now, what we do is different. What that means is, so it's the live web chat product, which is basically designed for bigger businesses or businesses with high levels of touch point, high touch points, personal service, or high value. So markets we target are, say, automotive, financial services, travel, and large e-commerce companies. The idea is that actually it's a much more personal service with the agents where the questions can be more complex. Then our product actually is unique. Then it's a live web chat products. They... You can find loads of companies that do that. Our differentiator is we use a technology called WebRTC, which is Web Real-Time Communications. And what that allows is through the website, you can actually, without downloads or plugins, you can actually voice call or video call the company. So you could be chatting with an agent and you literally, on that chat, win- on that chat window that pops up, click voice call or video call and actually speak to or see the agent that you're speaking to. Now, in certain businesses, so we've just taken our big, one of our biggest customers at the moment is a ladies' underwear a shop in the UK called Bravissimo. Huge company in the UK. They serve it and they've taken on us as a chat, voice calling, video calling company. And actually, the way they do things is a real personalized customer service and sales as well. So when women call up or their husbands call up and want, want that personalized service, they're able to chat with people and they have that real connection, that human human level of communication because on a website it's easy to get lost and we and marketers are talking about let's do more human marketing let's be more human and then in the same vein they're going let's have more chatbots let's do more chatbots well are we being more human by bringing in more chatbots now that's why chatbots have their place and we're not saying chatbots are rubbish and we don't think that actually people should necessarily always do exclusively our way finding a blend of the two is potentially preferable, but we're finding a lot of coming, especially people in the automotive industry, like to be able to have a build a rapport with the company, especially because it's just so high value or so personal. Those are the types of companies that actually don't want chatbots. They want to have the service of talking to people still and having that. And they're still in that mindset of people doing business with people. So they're almost, they're almost backward, but almost marketers in general have gone too far one way yeah. and now they're pulling themselves back. So where these companies that were languishing back before and marketers are like, they're not developing, are now actually coming back into the same line as marketers because they almost did it too far and now coming back. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I, I'm, at, I'm at San Diego State right now. School doesn't start again until next week. But one thing I noticed this past fall is like, kids are actually talking on the phone again. Like, so I think it's, I think things are coming like full circle to where people are, they want things to be easy, but that, that personal touch is, is really valuable. And I think that, especially if you can make that call, like I had to call my, my health insurance accidentally dropped me. So I had to call them today. That's super fun. Right. But how it would have been a lot easier if I could from their website, just clicked and been able to been able to talk to somebody without having to pick up my phone and dial the number and go through all the key prompts and that kind of stuff. Exactly. And the benefit of it as well, because it's all through the browser, You, if you had to speak to an international company, you wouldn't need to have, there would be no international dialing charges. There'd been, it literally called through it. So I could literally, so again, Whereas when we're recording this now, this has to have a download or a plugin. This, our technology is embedded into a website. So as a user, you don't need to download anything. You don't go to any external links. It all goes through that browser. So there's no 
downloads, no plugins, no international calling charges. And that's our real differentiator versus telephone companies and versus sort of chatbots is we're offering that level of escalation as well. It's a great, that's why I love it when people ask that question, because actually they're very different products, but it's very easy to see because they, in such close spaces, it's easy to see how you can almost interchange one for the other. Right. That's pretty slick. And you said it's a startup. How long has Talkative been in business? So about two years now. Yes, there's now about 13 full-time people now. So it's, yes, going great guns. We've got, we've done second level investment now. We've got big growth plans for this year. So it's, yeah, it's uh, getting exciting. (laughs) Yeah, startup life is very, very exciting. It's also very, very fast a lot of the times. You know, we teased on this topic just a little bit ago and we were talking about Honey. Um, You have a very unique podcast then. I've listened to many, many episodes. In fact, I've guested on one of the episodes and that was a huge honor. Thank you for having me again. And I'm a huge fan, quite obviously. But I want to know what sparked the idea of your podcast. It's so different than a lot of the other podcasts that are out there. And it's got kind of a humorous title, a humorous vibe, but it still gets straight to the point and always adds value. And so I, I'd love to hear the story behind that. Oh, thank you. No, that that, that means that means so much to me because I love it actually when I speak to not people who've been guests, but people who've just listened to the show. And it means so much to me because... It's one of the things. It it I don't do it for the pay. It's, it's just my side hustle, and I, it's it. It means a lot when people say stuff like that. So the hit the background of it was I was literally sat in a conference and I was doing my tweeting as I do at conferences, and I started looking back to my tweets, and I just noticed there were just loads of buzzwords in there, just loads of words and phrases. And I'm listening to some of the speakers, and some were great, some were bad, some were average, as as you get completely throughout conferences. But what didn't change, no matter who it was, was the number of buzzwords. I mean, sometimes actually the better ones actually use slightly less buzzwords, but actually they were still using a lot of words and phrases that actually not everyone would have understood. I thought I understood a lot of them, but I looked back and I was like, I've used this term snackable content, but what really is that? Or account-based marketing. Okay, I think I know what account-based marketing is, but how do I really break it down? And I said, my love is asking questions, trying to work out what things mean and make a strategy. So I came back from the conference and I went, there's a podcast in here somewhere. So I spent a couple of weeks researching what the podcast and I launched it two weeks later. So I didn't really do any market research. I just had an idea. Again, a lot of what I'm trying to do with and with the personal branding story, I just sort of said, I have an idea. I think for me, it's going to add loads of value down and understand what this means. And it hopefully, I'm not, I'm not doing it to try and appeal to the masses, but if it appeals to me in terms of breaking down and making things easier, then hopefully it will resonate with someone. Again, I'm not, I don't care about having tens or millions of followers. It's trying to find that five, one, two, three people. So now I know I've got one fan. That means, that means the world to me. That's, that's what it's all about for me. And if I can add value to someone's life, that's awesome. Well, you've done a really good job with it. One thing that I really love about it is each episode is literally a lesson. Whether people knew what the buzzword meant before, whether they didn't, whether you knew what the buzzword really meant before or whether you didn't, like it's a lesson in and of itself. And it's a really cool idea, Ben. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, it's crazy because it's like, yeah, we're just over 75 episodes now. It's just starting back again for the season two. Yeah, it's right. just... It's absolutely nuts. I was like, started off a thing and it's like, now I'm like, it's like in all of, since from the start of 2018, it was like, I didn't really have, I had a lot of this stuff bubbling and I tried this. I've tested the water in a few areas and then 2018, it just went boom. And it was like, oh God, this is all going quite nuts now. What what do I do? And I've so just, so let's go with it. Just, just roll with it and see where it goes. And as, as long as I can keep adding value and I, and I can keep being consistent with that, 
that's what I want to do. That way people again, so that people can understand that's my personal brand, how I'm aligned with talkative is everything is actually the same value propositions and then trying to add value wherever I go. And if, if people like that, great. If they don't, absolutely fine. There are millions of other people they can follow out there. I don't mind that. But if people want to follow me or want to listen to what I say, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll please join the ride. <laughs> and, and my takeaway from that was the uh, inspiration came while you were at a conference, but not necessarily from a specific thing a speaker was saying, right? It was like you kind of, you know, connecting all the dots and thinking about other things and connecting those dots together. And that's where the spark came from. Mm-hmm. So on one of your, one of your videos, I think it was one of your videos, I think back to the LinkedIn videos, you said that everyone's perception of perfection is different. So instead, you should think about having a set of minimum standards. So how do you apply this to content creation? Yeah, this is one that I found people either really resonate with or they hate. So actually I did a little pick up on uh, you know controversial statements. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely this is I this is what I love I love having these debates and and trying to put out my view on it because again I was it featured in the in like the Times newspaper in the UK talking about this and I was like this is crazy because I basically said that perfectionism is a barrier to productivity. It, perfectionism is great. It's an amazing idea that everyone should try and have the highest standards possible and should try and make the best thing possible. But actually, if we spend so much time trying to grasp at these tiny little straws, it's how much value, much more value can you add by polishing something? Now, again, with my podcast, is hopefully people love it. Like, I hope like Jen, people love it. But Ultimately, I don't spend huge amounts of time editing it. Now, I could spend loads of time editing it to make it perfect. I get some of the ums and ahs, maybe drop off little bits and maybe... But actually, look, for me, I don't know, some people would use the word authentic or raw or whatever word you want to use. For me, it just means actually I'm able to bring out more value because I don't think it's actually I'm losing any value because there's not enough ums and ahs. I don't sit there and go, um, um, um. That is a different story. Maybe I'd have to edit it then. But when people spend so long drafting things and drafting things and drafting things, you could have spent that time actually adding more value or learning something else. Now, people will disagree with me because they like the idea of having something as close to perfect, but everyone's idea of perfect is different. You could spend so... my People will say to me, your podcast is great. That means their idea is, is of perfect. It could be slightly different to someone who's like, oh, well, I didn't like it because there were too many ums and ahs in it. Now, who do I cater for? Do I have to cater for the people that have the highest de- degrees of standards? Or should I actually... Are my standards enough? Where do I draw that line? So in Talkative, we basically have a start of this policy of no more than two drafts before a final draft, because otherwise it starts becoming like, why are you drafting this three or four times? Because right. actually the quality is there. If, it, if you don't think that it's going to do, start the angle completely and do a completely different piece. It's just one of the things, when we start taking the time and actually you end up getting nothing done, and I'm a big believer in getting something done. Doesn't that, if it, you don't have to put it out there, but you need, need to get it done. If you're not happy with it after two drafts, start the whole thing again. Because otherwise you're going to keep drafting and drafting and drafting and you're still not going to be happy with it. When, when do you get to that line that you're happy with? Because if you knew where you were going to be happy with it, you would have done that from the first place. <laughs> right. So there's, some, there's something fundamentally wrong with whatever you're creating if you have to get to five drafts of it. I have a client that I would like you to tell that to. 
But anyway, well, just they can listen to this somehow. <laughs> they tried two versions of this one paper that they then had me write, and I got through two versions and still didn't still didn't get published. And I'm like, all right, you guys, I and I use the term. It's funny talking to a Brit. I was like, this that, the Holy Grail is what you're looking for, and I don't think it exists. So maybe you know we just move on, <laughs> which we did. Yeah. And, and it's, it's about having those minimum standards. Like if your standards are, right, it has no, it has no typos. All the gr- grammar is as good as you possibly can be. The images are all relevant. All the backlinks work. You've got a proper URL string. Whatever standards you need to set for wherever it is, set those standards and then go, bam, okay, that is our minimum standard. If you can achieve higher, go for it. But again, no more than two or three drafts. Because again, you want to be aiming for up here. But if you spend so long... Then you, what, what have you actually got out there? You've hit your minimum standards. That is what people care about. People don't want to see typos. People don't want to see backlinks that are broken. That's standard minimum standards. Right. But, but trying to have changing all these other things up there, the, for the amount of time it takes, for the most micro uh, detailing, it's just it, it's whether it's worth it or not. And some people will argue with me to the cows come home, but I'm, I'm at the moment I'm very firm in my belief on that one that actually we as a company and me as a person have become much more efficient at what I do because I go these are my minimum standards I will not betray those minimum standards but I'm not going to spend actually twice as long doing the same thing when I could have actually done more a lot more and added more value to my life someone else's life right right all right cool okay we're halfway and so we're going to take a little brain break so usually our brain breaks, since we started doing them, they're themed to what to the month. And this being a new year, I want everyone to share what their top goal is for the new year. It can be personal, it can be business. So I'll go first, which I know I normally don't do that. But I think when it's your question, it's, you know. So my, my biggest personal goal is to get out of debt. I won't, I won't pay my student loan off. I'm not including that in there, but I had kind of a challenging year last year. And let's just say I'm not going to probably pay much in taxes. <laughs> and so I am, my goal is to get as close as I can to being out of debt by the end of the year. Jen, you want to go next? Yes, I would love to go next. Thank you, Megan. Um, and I love your goal. I think that that is a great goal to strive for. Man, can you imagine the weight off your shoulders <laughs> when you yeah. accomplish that? That's amazing. My goal this year is to finish the book that I started at the end of this, well, a few months ago. I'm making progress. We've had some bumps in the road, but I'm looking forward to getting it done and getting it published and uh, and sharing it with everybody. Are you going to print it or is it going to be an ebook? Yeah, I'm going to do both. Okay. And what's the topic? It's community management, developing a, you know, a very good tribe to use the buzzword that we used <laughs> on Ben's podcast. <laughs> awesome. Elizabeth? So I got this, I went went and grabbed it so I get the name of it right. I got this journal called the Morning Sidekick Journal. And so I've been working on creating a morning routine. So getting up earlier and creating a morning routine to just make sure my day is set with intention and positive attitude and all that good stuff. So that's going pretty well. I would guess that was probably a good uh, goal, New Year's goal, even though I didn't formally make it that. Yeah. Well, and I, it's so awesome. And Elizabeth sent me one for Christmas and I had already bought and started the commit 30 one. So the idea behind that particular journal is just that you can do anything for 30 days. So committing to certain goals for the month. And it's got lots of nice little places for you to write, you know, personal things and work things. And anyway, it's lovely. So, but 
next year I'm going to use the one that Elizabeth gave me. All right, our guest, Sir Ben, what's your uh, what's your big goal for the year? Oh, Sir Ben, I like that. I feel like I have to go. Can you send that to the Queen? That'd be, that'd be <laughs> my big goal for the year is obviously to get the the book done and obviously just maximize potential from that. And again, it's to speak on bigger circuits now and actually be able to take what I have building to another level again. So the book is the tangible thing. And the thing is to get just get booked on more and bigger, bigger stages talking about the things that I love and I'm passionate about. So that, that's the goal. Fabulous. Well, we're honored to be one of your, what do you, you're on three shows today you're recording or something like that? Yeah. Today was one of those crazy, crazy days. So it's like I got home from work and it's just been almost back to back today. So I've had, I've had two coffees and no dinner. I thought coffee's rock good, isn't it? You have a big coffee, it's almost a meal, right? Right. No, absolutely. I I figured you're British, so I figured you were drinking tea. Oh God. I I can't be completely stereotypical. I've got to have a I'm gonna have a little bit. I got that covered for you. I'm a tea drinker, not a coffee drinker. Oh, oh, there we are. Look, there we are. Honorary Brit. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, great. Well, those are all lovely, and so we'll circle back in December when we go to schedule our end of year, and we'll um, we'll see how everyone's done. All right, so second half of the show, I want to know, Ben, what what do you think is the number one challenge for marketers in 2019? Hmm. I think the a lot of people will say it's about being more human. And I could see that. Say people have said this to be the year of human marketing. I agree to a, a number of extents. But I think that's not necessarily the challenge. I think the challenge is actually how we be more human whilst implementing more technology. And by that, I mean, again, like we also we talked about earlier, is the chatbots versus the live chat. Because as marketers... We say, yes, we want to be more human. We want to have more conversations. We want to be more real. We want to do behind the scenes stuff. We want to have more interactions. But actually, when people contact us through our website, we don't want to answer those questions. We want a chatbot to answer those questions. Because, God, God, we'll, we'll, well, why would people ask us through our website? Let's just have a chatbot do that. These little questions, things like that, that is where I think the big difficulty is going to be found with marketers this year and how they actually blend those different things. Because it's easy to almost be human on a social media site. If you just schedule less and you post, you could post more. In theory, that's easier. But actually, where do you draw the line? Because actually, you still need to use these technologies and people will start actually trying to be more human and they'll forget about some of these technologies and then they'll be less efficient. So actually, yes, it's about being more human, but actually, at what point do we draw the line? Because as marketers and business people, we're incredibly good at going over that line. We're incredibly good at taking things too far. Right. Using, yeah, using words. on everything, right? Like that's the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the other problem is just looking at new technology like it's a shiny object, right? right. Getting distracted, it's shininess or newness and not thinking through the actual business problem right, that you're solving. You know, chatbots have their place for, if I need a quick and immediate response to an easy question, right, that is what chatbots do and and they do well. But right, to, you know, use in conjunction with having a way to then escalate to speak with a person, right, you know, then you've got the best best of both worlds. The challenge I think that marketers are facing is it's easy to build a chatbot, but it's really, really hard to build a good one. And so you see a lot of crappy ones out there, right? And so unfortunately, that's kind of painting the lamp. Yeah. And it's easy to say to be human and have more of these human connections. It's easy to say. 
but it's actually how do we go about the implementation of these things and actually again like what you just said it it's about thinking things through because we're great at chasing the shinies we're great at following the new buzzwords because things are moving so quickly we don't always take that step back and go okay we're going to implement a chatbot great okay how does that actually impact on us this strategy that we had for 2019 of being more human how does that all fit in together or we have this we have this strategy of writing more content okay well who are we writing content for okay we need to rank really well on seo okay so we're writing more content but we want to be more human so you want to write more content for humans but we want to rank it for seo which actually means actually we need to we're going to adjust the title now slightly so actually means it's really good for search engines oh but then again actually we need to not just do it for search engines we now need to do it for voice optimization so actually where do we do we need to input all these different bits to find out where it was boom (laughs) yes it's crazy yeah well, Elizabeth and I talk about this a lot within the, the meetings and events industry that, that we work in. Everyone, you know, new app companies pop up all the time. And I'm like, there's like, what problem are they solving? Like, there's a million app companies out there and everyone's kind of doing the same thing. So yeah, being strategic with the technology that you use while also um, keeping a human element, I think is, is super important. Jen? Yeah, and so I was. I wanted to piggyback off of Megan's question and take it the, a different direction a little bit. In 2019, Ben, what do you? What is your biggest prediction for the marketing industry? What's really going to change and pop this year? Oof, dear. Now, I think one of the biggest things we're going to see actually is a return to an even bigger push on offline events. Now, this is something that I think not many people are talking about because, again, people have gone about this human element and they've talked about human marketing but actually the events is where it really is at it's about that's how we can add the most incredible amount of value not only in talks that people give but in the connection the real people that you meet that's where the real value i found of marketing is we have these spaces for podcasts and facebook lives and stuff but when you can actually take them to these offline events that is real power and it's something that and as Yes, yeah, so I look at the analogy of direct marketing. At one stage, direct marketing was amazing because it was the most direct way of getting letters and parcels and advertising straight to people's doors. Something new came along and it was email. And direct mail started being left in the pipeline. Everyone started going here. And then we started going to social media. And now suddenly, as social media, direct mail's coming back, actually, because people see it as a really authoritative way of doing business and making these connections. And as we keep going round, actually, live events are going to come. People are like, oh, we don't need live events because we can do all these online conferences. We can do these. We can do all these webinars. And, and actually, then we'll start seeing, actually, these live events are going to really become a crux of what people are doing. So again, at Talkative, we've now said we're going to think about seriously doing a live in-person event because there's actually nothing quite like sharing knowledge with your ideas and those relationships. It's not even just the relationships, it's the experience. People have talked about this experience economy. Now, I've never had a more than average experience of an online conference. I, I think it's great. You have some great speakers. But I'm always slightly distracted. You don't really get a chance to network that well. It's all a bit, for me, it's a bit more. I have rarely gone to a, a live conference where I haven't found someone or something of interest that's made, made me I've made me have an experience with someone or have an experience of the conference. I've not gone, wow, that, that particular moment or that conference itself was amazing. And that's, that's the difference. 
this has actually come yeah. up on, on our podcast several times. I think I think we must be subconsciously like <laughs> feeding this to our guests. <laughs> Talk about the value of live events. <laughs> it just reiterates that personal connection and the human touch and how important that is in not marketing, but yes, in marketing, but also it's just being a freaking human, you know? This is this is what it boils down to is being a human. And of course we can talk about chatbots all the time and chatbots are phenomenal. People will share information with chatbots that they won't share with a human. So again, like it's a back and forth of just knowing your audience and knowing how to resonate with them, but to create an experience for them as well. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, I'll switch gears a little bit and talk about, well, I guess, I guess I could make a little segue here in, in thinking about, you know, you're attending a conference and, you know, potentially building your network there, which you can also do, you know, online as well, but kind of thinking about networking and building your network. I was, I was thinking recently about referring more diverse candidates to a job. And I realized that my own personal network isn't as diverse as it should be. And I, and then I realized that that's because I hadn't actually made that a priority, like while I'm networking, right? Like while I'm trying to meet with people. And so I was curious if you've ever even, you know, thought about that. And, and if you haven't, it's totally fine. Cause I think it's kind of a random, <laughs> it's kind of a random thought. But if you have, you know, if you have actually you know done anything about it. No, I, I haven't overly thought about it, but I have been aware of it. And the reason I'm aware, I was aware of it is one of my, my colleagues. So one of the girls in my team, she had a post that went viral on LinkedIn and it's basically, it was her birthday. So I, when I hired her, I took a bit of a risk because she, she come from a sales background. She hadn't worked in marketing before, but she showed a lot of passion. Actually, apart from other people who've done this, done marketing degrees, she hadn't had any experience. But when I said, when I went away and I said, invite other people, I said, this is, I, I was quite clear in my instructions. I said, I want you to know about X, Y, or Z, or think about these areas. She came back, done loads of prep. You could say she was really raw, hadn't quite got the hang of some of the stuff, but actually she really made an effort. You could see the passion there. Now she was a bit different to everyone else. So actually I was aware of it there. Then actually she's turned out to be amazing. Don't tell her this too much. She'll go straight to her head and I'll never hear the end of it. Um, <laughs> tell her about the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But what was it? So she did this LinkedIn post and she basically she was holding this birthday cake and she did this little wiggle, like a boomerang that she posted on LinkedIn. A lot of people just saw that, like it's my birthday. But actually the post did, it was talking about her transition from sales to marketing and that. And the reason I, and actually this post went actual viral. She had like over a million views on this thing. And, and like, it was just, it was incredible. Like she, the, like a couple of days before she'd messaged me like on our, on our company chat saying, Oh, I've, I've just hit 500 connections on LinkedIn. Yay. It now says 500 plus. <laughs> she's, she's, she's now on like some like 7,000 LinkedIn connections and stuff. But what made me think about it was that it was like 95 plus percent male. And it, was, it got me thinking. I thought, that's yeah. really interesting because a lot of people that connect with her were people who were interested in sales and marketing. My network isn't hugely dissimilar in terms of the same field, but my network is a lot more balanced. And in fact, I've, I've probably got slightly more women on my network than men because mostly because I find men are weird on these channels. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I, I, I mean, I get requests for men that clearly don't want anything to do with this profession early. Or anything. But it, it's just weird though, because I, 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 again, only I've had weird messages off men. I've never had weird messages off women. And it's, it, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's my face or something, but, right. but it got, that's, yeah. So I have thought about that before because that was looking at that. And I was going, why at certain, these posts here is, 
Patsy is doing really well now, but her network actually isn't that diverse. It, it could be in terms of industries, but it's it's really male centric. And then so it ha- I've got me thinking. I haven't done anything about it, but it's interesting to see actually how this can develop over time. And I think it was because she's a pretty girl and she was shaking her hips on on the, and suddenly <laughs> it's attracted that type of audience. And yeah, so I've thought about it. Have I done anything about it? No. Would I do something about it? I don't feel like I need to yet. God, maybe that's me being ignorant. And actually, because I haven't, I've thought, oh, I've got a diverse network. I'm, I'm happy when actually now, now I'm going to have to go home and I'm now going to have to like hit my head on the table and have to reassess my whole <laughs> network. Thanks for that. <laughs> you're like, no, you're welcome. But it's, it's something <laughs> I realized I need to work on as well. I'm going to try to make an effort, even when I'm in in-person networking situations, right? Like try to find the people that are different than me as opposed to gravitating towards exactly. obviously, you know, not only the people you know, which is our first fault in networking situations is right. Just hanging out with people we but, know. Yeah, really you like people that are like you. That's the way that human nature is. You you like people that are like you. So actually it's where you naturally gravitate or people you've grown up with or you, if you associate yourself, you've grown up in a neighborhood which is largely African-American, you'd associate that that's the type of people that you'd hang out with because that's your network, that's your society. It's how you grew up. If you grew up in quite a diverse network, it's quite easy to, it, it's, it's be easier. So I don't know. It's a really interesting thought that I, I, I definitely have to pay more attention to. So that, that is uh, logged right up in my old nugget here. Awesome. Okay, so we have about 10 minutes left. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass on this question and I'm going to let Jen go with hers and then... Uh, I've talked too much, haven't yeah. I? God. No, no, this is all awesome. All great, all great nuggets. No, I mean, you know, it, I, we always say we just, we set, we set a plan and then it all depends on how the conversation goes and it's, it, it happens the way it's supposed to. Yeah, so, so Ben, building a personal brand can be, it can be really daunting, especially when you're just getting started in your career. What piece of advice would you give to the younger professionals who are starting to seriously think about what kind of name they would like to make for themselves in their own industry? Oh, love this. I guess I, I, I like this, love this question for two reasons. One, because I'm still, I guess I'm still in that, in that bracket. So I, well, at least I still see myself in that bracket. Other people will probably start seeing me as now one of the older people, but I don't, I don't feel that way just yet. I think it's because I've had a lot of coffee. I think with this, don't do it for other people. Build your personal brand is you. Now, it's, it's okay to take snippets from other people. One of the big things I learned was when I did my, first, my, probably my second big speak conference speech. It's about, probably, I think it's like 800 people in the audience. And the person before me was funny. They were really good. Like one of the better conference speakers I've ever seen. And now I tried to adjust who I was because I thought that was what the audience wanted to see. I tried to be slightly something I was not. That was a fault that I made. And I've said to myself, that's something I will not do. I will just be true to myself. So when you're building a personal brand, if you're actually ruffling people up the wrong, uh, ruffling people's feathers up, you're actually doing a good job because not everyone should like you. Yeah. You're not a thought leader or a peer. If your opinion doesn't go against someone else's, if you're going with the grain all the time, you can go with the grain, but there are knots in the grain. If you don't hit a knot and you're going on a straight path through, you're probably actually, you're not, you're, you're being a sheep. You're not actually leading anyone. You're not being, you're not having a personal brand there. You're just, you're following a crowd. So it's being who you are. Have your opinions. Don't have to be divisive about those opinions. 
you don't have to say this is my opinion this is the only way but actually you can open up dialogue with that and that's your way of building your personal brand cementing your idea especially as a young person i know that i don't know everything about marketing i know there's a huge amount to learn. i'm very confident in the stuff that i do know but i'm open to that being changed because things are changing so quickly if you weren't open to your mind changing you'd be lost so it's trying to say be true to yourself be open and actually ask those questions don't be afraid to rub people up the wrong way because it's horrible no one likes people when they say they disagree with you or you're wrong or i don't like what you have to say but actually that's quite a good thing because you're that shows that you have an opinion you have thoughts and you have ideas because i don't know of a single industry expert where i've heard everyone ev- absolutely everyone say good things apart from maybe mark schaefer i'm actually pretty sure i've never heard a bad word about him but that they so i don't know of anyone really who think gary v again is probably the, the one of the best examples of this so you, he's, he's proper marmite like you love him you hate him some of the stuff you're like yes it resonates with me at times you're like oh no you just be i i can't disagree with you more but <laughs> look at but he you can't argue with the personal brand that he's created and, and the perception that he's there. And he is consistent to his personal brand. So love him or hate him, that guy's got a personal brand. Yeah, for sure. So I like I liked your uh, phase five of the marketing buzzwords project. The goal God, of- you guys have you guys have properly gone into all this stuff. I've got, I've got, I've got, nothing is safe at this point. <laughs> so I want to know: have have you seen a glimpse of world peace? Or is there anything you've experienced <laughs> since you put that on your website that has made you think that you're making a difference? Oh, God. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I was having a funny day. I had even more coffee that day. No, I, 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 I thought it was awesome. <laughs> no, unfortunately, but I think Jen will tell you I've got a list of things that I don't like on my phone. And one of the things that I don't like is, is things like ISIS. They're on my list of things that I don't like. So I'm on, I'm on, a, I'm on a mission to try and install world peace but it's yeah so far i can't say i've done much tangibly but hopefully i've at least benefited some someone's life and actually hopefully got their marketing their personal brand that actually they hadn't thought about before or idea it sparked ideas i want to ask questions and spark ideas so yeah maybe not world peace but maybe in someone's inner peace maybe i've uh i hope <laughs> there you go hey, that's where it starts right i'm picturing you on a stage with a sash oh yeah like like, Mr. like universe uh, contest and then they ask you the question and you say you want world peace that is Hang for me that's your brand that was I, your brand it is the personal black oh, you can see this it's just in the corner there it, the, i have i have welsh flags all all over yeah it's you got you I, I, i'm welsh and proud and oh yeah i'm definitely not english that's that's the same thing <laughs> not english and welsh and proud but nothing wrong with england i mean i'm actually gonna be moving over to england soon and that's gonna be oh, really no. weird but uh I'm going to be draping Welsh flags out the windows. We're going to probably put a flag pole out the front and everything. <laughs> so, no, but yeah, it, it, I think it's important. Though. World, world peace would be an, a lovely, lovely goal. I'm going to, I think it's nice to have ambitious goals. So there you go. Set it high. Totally. My God, I can't believe I, I've completely forgotten I wrote that. I can't believe you guys have gone into that sort of stuff. Oh. I love, that's part of the reason I skipped my question because I was like, we have to get that one in there. We have to have a little bit. <laughs> 
ask that question. All right. So one final thing we like to ask on um, this just perfect timing. What is the latest technology or gadget or app that you're geeking out on? It doesn't have to be new, but just something that, that you're geeked about. I'm all over the selfie light at the moment. The selfie what? The selfie light. You know, the little circular LED oh, thing. Yeah. Yes, I'm all over that at the moment. It's great, honestly. Like, not even just for pictures, but actually doing for like these personal branding story videos. Actually, just just actually frame the lights. Lights, brilliant. Yeah, honestly, it's like it's like ten pounds or whatever it was on Amazon. So was that like twelve dollars or something these days? Whatever the ridiculous exchange rate is. Thank thank you Brexit. But uh, <laughs> it's a ring yeah, light, right? That attaches to your phone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant little thing. It's absolutely genius. So, uh, yeah, that 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 is something that I, it's in my laptop bag that goes everywhere with me now. You never know when we need that emergency selfie. It's there. So, yeah, that's probably the the tech that's sort of going with me everywhere at the moment. And obviously, I've got two laptops, and they don't they don't they rarely leave my side either. So, right, yeah. So I bought one of those, but I hadn't used it yet. In part because I needed the proper battery for it. But see, yeah. my one, my one's a plug in plug and charge. Oh. Um, yeah, well, that him? I think mine was only seven pounds then. I didn't, I didn't go for the, <laughs> <laughs> the super deluxe. <laughs> but I like, I bought a couple of really easy to use little mini tripods that'll hold my phone. Yeah. And I've found yeah, that to be games. awesome for when I'm recording people, because as much as I think I have a steady hand, it's not quite as steady as it, as it should be. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> well, in an X Live, I did, I did Instagram Live and a Facebook Live at the same time. So I had two. So that was really interesting too. And to try to keep up on that. I don't think I'll ever try to do that again, but you almost need a lazy eye. So you could look at both at the same time. <laughs> or this an assistant. People, yeah. <laughs> I think this is where people with lazy eyes are absolutely brilliant then. Cause they can have like two or three camera angles and they're looking at all of them at the same time. Walleye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. So I, what, is there anything else? Oh, let's tell our, our listeners how they can find you, Sir Ben Roberts. Sure. So talkative.uk is obviously the website for Talkative. Marketingbuzzword.com is the website for the podcast and a few other bits about me and the personal branding story. And basically on LinkedIn, Twitter, Ben M. Roberts, because there are too many Ben Robertses in the world. I'm trying to get rid of them all, but now I'm, I'm, all, <laughs> I'm just Ben M. Roberts because yeah, I have got for world peace. So I'm not actually trying to get rid of them all. So I just had to find my own angle, my own personal <laughs> brand. So yeah. Ben M. Roberts everywhere because, yeah, if you type in Ben Roberts, you get wedding designers. There's an, Amer- an American, uh, no, Aussie rules football player. There's all sorts of Ben Robertses out there, but I am the only Ben M. Roberts. So, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah, there's lots of Megan Powers out there. I thought I had a unique name growing up. Not so much. <laughs> all right. So this was lovely. Thank you so much for t- taking the time and making us part of your very busy day and recording late night in your part of the world. Yeah, we hope you get to sleep at sometime in the next six hours. Well, I actually plan on doing a load of book stuff tonight. So hopefully, there you go. yeah, we'll, just, we'll push, we'll push through. Push through. Uh-huh. Make it happen. Well, the pleasure is all mine. No, thank you so much for having me on. It's been, it's been great fun. It's been awesome. And thank you, Jen and Elizabeth, as always, my co-host, rock stars. All right. This has been episode 28 of Making a Marketer, and we will catch you next time.